that is our desire, that uh, we would hear God's voice in our lives, that we would have promptings from God to direct us. Uh, I was talking to somebody just right before the service started, and they were saying, yeah, I've been asking God some questions, and I'm so far I'm getting silence. I said, well, just keep asking. Just keep asking. Sooner or later, you'll, you'll hear where God wants you to go. But that's all of our heart's desires and, and all of our hopes. And part of that conversation is us listening to God, and, and the other part is us talking to God. And, and that's what we've been focusing on during this series called Talk to Me. And, and really what we've been talking about is that it's God's invitation to pray. That, that one of the ways we are in relationship with God is through our prayer life that he's looking forward to hearing from us. And, and almost all of us would say that as followers, followers of Jesus, we should pray. I mean, there isn't anyone in the room that goes, nope, that's really not part of my life. No, that's really not what God desires. We all know intuitively that prayer is our connection with God. And, and he desires for that. And, and it's for our benefit. But there is a huge challenge to prayer. I, I think there's a huge challenge, and, and, it, and it starts really simple. I mean, one of our middle schoolers asked the other day, well, when you pray, what should you pray about? Great question. What, what should I pray about? You know, and then, then we started thinking about, man, I don't even know how to pray. I mean, and, and, and what should I say? And, and sometimes it's awkward. And if you ever really want to know how awkward it is, is, is when we're in the high school or middle school and somebody says, hey, it's time to pray. Who would like to pray for our meal? Or who would like to pray to start things off? Man, you know what? We have more students looking at the bugs on the floor, you know, or all of a sudden going, wow, that ceiling is amazing. I didn't realize that it was black. You know, it's, they, they just totally shut down. But part of it is, for some reason, many of us are intimidated by the idea of prayer. We just don't think we're very good at it or, or we even know how to approach God. So last week, we started with this question, how would Jesus pray? And, and we looked at Jesus' prayers last week, some of, some of the prayers he had, and, and we found that there was, there was four somewhat common characteristics in his prayer life. And, and here it is. The first was that, that Jesus created margin. In his life, that in the midst of his teaching or in the midst of healing a, a group of people, there would be a point where you'd say, Enough's enough, and I need to go off by myself and refresh, refuel, and pray. And, and we talked about do we have margins in our lives, or are our lives so full and overflowing that we don't have time for prayer? We think it's important, but man, we just don't know where we'd stick in our lives. So, so we looked at Jesus saying, hey, it's important, and, and one of our challenges last week was to find time this week to make margin. We also talked about that for Jesus, prayer was a habit, not a ritual. He didn't have a ritual of a certain time or certain place to do that, and, and some of us have those when we're growing up in our families, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, in my house, we've always prayed before meals, and, and when my kids were little, we started teaching them how to pray. And they were really little prayers, you know. Um, you know, they were simplistic prayers that we had them pray. But as they got older, there was a point where we realized they're praying the same prayer. You know, it was really cute at like four, at eighteen, 
not so cute. Um, but it was maybe more ritual than habit. And, and we want to change that it's not a habit, that, oh, yeah, it's time to eat, we better pray. Then, hey, prayer is just a part of my life. Prayer is the way I just do life with God. And then we notice that Jesus most frequently was thanking God. He thank, I'm thankful to my Father. I am thankful for what you're about to do. I am thankful for the mission you have given me. Over and over when we listen to the prayers of Jesus, he, he repeated a thankful spirit to God. And then the last thing we noticed was his prayers were completely honest. And we look at the prayer right before um, him going to the cross. And the prayer was, God, if there's any other way for me to get out of this, if there's another way for you to accomplish this mission without the cross, that would be awesome. But I'll do it. And we looked at how he was completely honest when he, when he was at the death of his friend Lazarus. He thanked God and he said, God, I know what you can do. But right now, raise Lazarus so that they will know I'm your son. He was completely honest about what he wanted to have happen and why he was doing it. So that was last week. Now we're in week two, and, and the question we're really going to wrestle with today is, what are the prayers God loves? I mean, what kind of prayers does God love? There, so there's another assumption there. Maybe there are some prayers that God does not love. Maybe there are some prayers that he goes, man, if you're just going to do that, don't bother. So for a moment, we'd like you to watch two people that are, that are going to be praying. And I want you to decide which of the two God went, man, that's, that's what my heart longed for. Man, that's what I really wanted. And, and which of them you went, I don't think God was really going, that's what I was looking for. Watch and see if you can figure it out. Thank you so much for having empowered me to do all of the amazing things that I have done through your name. I thank you for the opportunity to have given uh, so much time and uh, so much money to the church each week. Um, I thank you for my wonderful family, for my beautiful children, the, the honor students that they are. Um, thank you. You have great things in store for them. Lord, as you have had for me, um, I thank you that they are not into the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll and all of that. Thank you so much for making us the parents that we have uh, been. Uh, Lord, thank you for setting us apart. I don't know. To be better than the rest. I just... I. I don't know how to talk I to you. I don't know what to you say. For that. Um, thank you for revealing yourself through me each week in our, I've really our weekly up. prayer meetings, uh, in my daily quiet time. And I can't the, do it, uh, God. I'm a mess. Countless books that I have read. Um, I thank you for prospering me, Lord. Forgive me. Amen. Amen. So when you hear that, you go, wow, one was like the Christmas card prayer. 
You know, my family's just better than your family. Have a Merry Christmas. You know, it's kind of like that. God, my family's better than all the rest. Thanks. And then, then you had her prayer, which was incredibly raw. She didn't know what to say, how to say it, um, or even if she should say it. Well, Jesus was real clear with the disciples on this topic that there is some things to avoid when we come and pray. When he was teaching in Matthew chapter 6, he said this to his disciples. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. That teaching sums up what we just watched, doesn't it? The babbling, the thinking I'm better than you versus just authentic, just you and God moment. But here's the real truth to this issue. God doesn't need our prayers. God doesn't need you and I to pray. He doesn't wait every day going, boy, I sure hope Doug prays today. Boy, I really need it. I need a pep talk from Doug, you know, to tell me how wonderful I really am, how I'm really getting it done. No. God knows who he is. God knows all that he's done. He knows all that he's going to do. So the question really is, so then, then why do we pray? If he already knows everything, and he doesn't need anything, why do we pray? And, and, and the straightforward answer is, it's for us. We need prayer. It's, it's a part of releasing and freeing us. Have you ever been in a situation where, where you knew you needed to talk to somebody, but man, you were just hesitant to do it, and and there was a little stress, and you weren't sure where it was going to go, but man, it's been heavy on your heart. And finally, when you had that moment where you when you saw that person, and and you just kind of unloaded, and you told them exactly how you're feeling, what was going on in your life, and and everything. All of a sudden, there was this release, and it's not that they did anything at that moment; they didn't fix anything at that moment. Have you ever experienced that where you just finally went, man, I just needed to share that with, with you. I think that's what our prayer life is often like with God. We just need to share with him what's, what's going on inside, in our hearts, in our minds, and, and, and express it so that we can get to a better place in our own lives. So the question is not why should we pray, but really how should we pray? And and Jesus was very clear to his disciples because they had the same questions we had. We looked at this verse last week from Luke chapter 11. They asked him, how should we pray? So in Luke chapter 11, we read, once Jesus was, on a, was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. They're referring back to John the Baptist that he had taught his disciples how to pray. So Jesus said, sure, I'll do that. So Jesus said, this is how you should pray. 
Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. That's an amazing prayer. It's really interesting. It's only four verses long. But I find that so full of how we should pray in those four verses. He didn't say this is what you should pray. I don't know if, if, if it was just my Baptist background, but, but we grew up memorizing that prayer. And we grew, it, grew up memorizing it in the NIV version. So it was a little bit different than what you had there. But we memorized it, and man, we could just crank that thing off as kids. But what we should have been really thinking about is not can we say the prayer fast, but what is the prayer? And why are we saying what we're saying? So we're going to kind of pull that passage apart a little bit tonight and, and wrestle with it. But the first part that, that, that the Lord's Prayer, as we know it, really wrestles with is noticing God. That in our prayer life, we need to take time to notice God or to acknowledge God. And, and that only happens that if we're seeing God in our lives or we're seeing God in his creation. Now, sometimes it's really easy to see God. I mean, if you see a rainbow, you go, oh, man, that is amazing. That is so cool. If you see a great sunset, you go, wow, that is just beautiful and breathtaking. And it makes you go, there must be a God. I mean, this can't happen just by accident. This is incredible. It is spectacular. Sometimes we catch visions of who God is or our relationship with God a little bit more subtly. The church I grew up in, um, kind of subtly but not so subtly, tried to make sure everybody knew that they were a church. They had a gigantic, massive cross on the outside that as you drove down the road next to it, you couldn't miss it, this massive cross. What's really kind of funny is uh, when you went into that sanctuary, and that's the sanctuary of that church, there is a massive cross almost the exact same size in the front of it inside. But they wanted to make sure that it was a focal point that you would notice it. Sometimes noticing God or, or attributes of God are, is a little more subtle. At crosswinds, we take a little more subtle approach to it. You don't see giant crosses in the front of the church. As a matter of fact, here's, here's a fun little quiz for you. How many crosses do we have in our church? Here's your choices. Zero, six, nine, or 15. Now some of you are starting to look around the room right now. Uh, how many crosses are at crosswinds? How about 15? What? I'm going to show you in just a minute. All right? There's one in this room. It's right on the back wall. As you walk out the doors, there's a little cross there. Just, and, and we put it there as a reminder. Just a little reminder when you leave here of, of, hey, you know, just be thinking about what God's doing in your lives. The other 14 are incredibly subtle. They're in every window of our church. Now, you may say that that's just coincidence. It isn't. We could have made them perfect squares of equal shapes when we built the building. But by intentional design, we made sure that every window had what looked like a cross in it, that they were set to be crosses. Now, that's the little thing. One of the things that we need to do is notice God in the little things around us. 
And that'll make us acknowledge him. So let me give you something a little bit different than that. This you should recognize. It's one of our favorites in Minnesota. If you're in fifth grade or fourth grade at elementary school, they'll often give you one of these. You know what it turns into? Monarch butterfly. Yeah. We had the privilege of having three of them come home as projects. Only one of them lived at our home. Uh, We just weren't gifted with caterpillars. Um, But monarch butterflies are so little. But I'll tell you, every time I see them, I do think about how amazing God is. One year we had, um, as they were starting their migration, a whole flock of them landed in our tree in our backyard. I don't know if they're called flocks, by the way, but whatever. (laughs) Pile of them? What what is a pile of butterflies? I don't know. But uh, they spent the night in our backyard. But there was hundreds of them in the tree. Monarch butterflies are amazing creatures. They fly 2,000 miles in their migration. Only one out of four generations ever goes back to Mexico. And yet they know exactly where they're going back every year. So three generations only live between two to six weeks a year. So when they leave Mexico, every two to six weeks, there's a generation of monarch butterflies till they get to the fourth generation, which is basically later in the summer. You want to be in the fourth generation because you get to live for nine months. That's the generation that migrates back to Mexico, hibernates in Mexico, and then starts the process all over again. Now, I tell you that story not because of monarch butterflies, but that if God took that much time figuring out a monarch butterfly, its survival, its beauty, its being created from caterpillars, we have an amazing God. And that's just one of his creations. So I think one of the prayers that God loves from us is is when we recognize him and and when we see him and and we acknowledge who he is and what he has done and what he is doing. So when Jesus started, he started with, Father, may your name be kept holy. It was a recognition of who God is, that he is something wholly different than us, that he is above us, he is separate from us, and he is different. And may your kingdom come soon is is our acknowledging that God has a plan. Whether we want to be a part of it or not, God has a plan. And it's going to happen. The only question we have is, are we going to be a part of God's plan? But we're not going to thwart it. We're not going to stop it. He's not going to change it. But he's God. David wrote most of the, most of the Psalms that we read. And, and David is a fascinating person. He had the highest highs and the lowest lows as a follower of God. I mean, he had the most amazing triumphs in his life, and he had some of the darkest moments where he messed up and failed horrifically. And the Psalms are a glimpse of his prayer life, of of how he talked to God. And, And let me share with you Psalm 103, and this is one of those moments where he was recognizing God for who he is, in what he could do. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. 
Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he's done for me. Well, what are they? He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. David had a great grasp of who God was. Even in dark moments, he knew who God was. And he recognized him. Jesus said, if you're going to pray, start by taking a moment that after you've found the margin, after you decide to be completely honest, completely open with God, take a moment and acknowledge who he is. Who are you talking to? Then coming out of that, after we recognize who God is, Jesus said, well, then you just you need to own your own stuff. And, and just, just own what's going on in your life. And, and in my mind, there's two different parts to this part. It's um, what we need or what we want and where we've messed up. And just owning and taking responsibility for what's going on in our lives, where we're at right now. And in Luke 3, he says, give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So he starts with, hey, just tell God what you need. He doesn't say tell God what you want, but what you need. He already knows what we need. But let's make sure we know what we need. So tell God what we need, what we want, and then, and then where we've messed up, and, and forgive us our sins. You know The areas we've messed up in our lives, just to own that. So once again, David in Psalms shares us a vision of what that looks like. He wrote Psalm 51 after he had messed up as royally as any of us could ever do it. He decided not to go to war with his nation like he was supposed to do. So he decided not to be the king. He decided to not take on his responsibilities. But he stayed home and he played hooky from leading all of his men into battle. While staying home, he finds an attractive gal... He decides to invite her over. She was already married. She ends up getting pregnant. To cover it all up, he tries to fake what happened and ends up killing her husband and then lying about everything. Now that's really messed up. I mean, remember, this is the same guy that's written, and David had a heart for God. Really? David had a heart for God. What does that look like? This dude is messed up. Just like me, he's messed up. Just like us, he's messed up. But when, when he was confronted with what he had done, he writes Psalm 51. So remember the psalm he wrote before, God, you are amazing. God, you are great. I just want to worship you. You are holy. Here's Psalm 51 from him. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Again, who is God? A God of unfailing love. Have mercy on me, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Use the word sins. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. David goes, I know how I've messed up. I know. 
And my sin is always before me. Against you and you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Hey, whatever God you do, I deserve it. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired for faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me, and this is the verse many of us have learned and heard, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I messed up. I mean, that's the quickest summary of that psalm. I messed up. But here's what David also knew. I messed up, and I know you love me. I messed up, and I know you can forgive and restore me. But I did mess up. And Jesus tells his disciples that you just need to own it. When you mess up, you just need to own it. You know, in my house, some of the best moments, I think, with my kids is when something has gone horribly wrong and without me having to say who messed up, who did it, one of them actually comes and says, hey, I just need to tell you. You know what? I'm not excited that they messed up. I'm not excited about what's about to be told to me at all. But I am excited that they owned it. That they took responsibility for it. On one of those occasions, I'll just tell you, you know, my son was driving over to Mayo High School and he was late for the choir concert and, and he was rushing out the door and as he was driving away, something bad happened. Let's just put it there. He came back in the house and, and he goes, okay, I know we're going to talk about this later, but I just hit your car, but I still have to go to the choir concert. And he got back in the car and he left. Okay. You know, it turned out okay. It was okay. Now, he could have just driven off and dealt with it much later. He could have just driven off and hoped I wouldn't notice, which was never going to happen. Which was never going to happen. I mean, the mirror was gone and there was new graffiti down the entire length of my new car. I mean, it was never going to happen. But it was one of, the, one of the few moments when I didn't come unglued, which was good. And, and we were able to talk about it. And, and, and he goes, you know, I really thought you were going to kill me. You know, it was just your new car, first nice car you've owned, and I just trashed it. But you know what made it okay? It's because he came in and talked to me about it. And owned, I, I drilled your car, I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. You know what? God's like that with us. God already knows we messed up. He's looking for us to take responsibility and to own it. 
so that we can move on in our relationship. Here's another one, prayer God loves. When we surrender. And, and I'm using this in the broadest sense of the term here tonight of, of when we surrender. In Luke 5, he finishes the prayer with, don't let us yield to temptation. And, and when I think of surrender, I'm talking about when he says, don't let us yield to temptation, he's saying, don't let me give in to doing life my way instead of your way. Don't let me give in to doing the things I know I shouldn't do. It's really surrendering our lives, saying, God, I'm totally dependent on you. I need you to help me get to where I need to be. It's really a, question, a statement saying, help me follow you. God, help me to follow you. Help me to follow you when I don't want to. That was Jesus' prayer in the garden. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That's really the prayer. Help me to follow you. I don't want to follow you right now, but, but, but I know I'm supposed to. That's our everyday life, guys. Help me to follow you when I'm not sure I want to. Help me to follow you when I'm scared. Help me to follow you when I'm not sure that I trust you. Help me to follow you when I'm worn out. I've got nothing left. I'm just emotionally done. I'm physically done. I don't think I can do it. Help me to follow you when I'm hurt. All of these are that, God, help me follow you when I'm so tempted to not. Help me to follow you. So prayer God loves is when we notice God. When we just take that moment to notice who he is, we recognize him, we acknowledge him. For who he is. We own our stuff. Both the things we want, the things we need, and the areas we've messed up. And we surrender to God. Our lives. So here's the challenge we've laid out for you. And, and I'm just going to tell you, we're going to keep building on it every week. So last week we started with um, the prayer challenge being, create margin in your life. Now, we're going to change the order up as we go because we're going to keep building pieces into it. But we start with create margin and tell how God you feel. This week, we're adding notice God. Take a moment to, to see God, to see what he's doing in your life, to see what he's done in his creation, but just to take a moment to acknowledge who God is. And then to track gratitude moments. Remember we said last week, try and find... Two times to be thankful, things you're thankful for. Then to own our stuff. To acknowledge, hey, I've messed up. I have, I have, I have made a mess out of my life, God. Will you forgive me? Will you give me a second chance? And then to surrender our plans to God. That, no, we're not going to do life our way. We're going to do life God's way. God, I need you to give me the strength to do life your way. Because our goal through all of this is really to make prayer normal. That's our goal. That these steps that we're putting in front of us, these challenges we're doing, 
is really to create just a normal conversation with God in our lives. So as we wrap up our service, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. To take one of those pieces that we've laid out, whether it's just take a moment to catch your breath and have some margin, just, just be still. And maybe you're echoing the words that the band sang earlier as to, God, I just want you to speak to me. I don't need to talk right now. I just need you to speak to me. Or take one of the other parts. For about a minute or so, we're going to just let you have time to pray. To either thank God or to acknowledge God. To tell Him what you need right now. Maybe it's you have to tell Him that you've messed up. For some of us in the room, it might be that, God, I've done life my own way my whole life. And tonight is the first night I'm going to surrender to you. But we're going to take a few minutes to pray. God, we come before you today as people who long to know you and be known by you. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your forgiveness, your grace. God, help us to live out this week in a normal conversation with you that we're completely honest open that we would trust you with all of the things on our hearts and in our minds. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.